0: Calvary for having us back. We love to come here um, and see so many familiar faces and the people we love, and some old friends coming to see us. Jack and Marianne, welcome once again. Um, it's just seems like home to us. It's like, don't put that on the tape because if it goes back to Gateway, we'll be in trouble. <laughs>
1: it's a family
0: of churches. Yeah. But, but but this is the uncle we love here. <laughs> you know, you all have those, right? The uncle you love and then the, then there's the other ones in the family. Yeah.
1: Today we have um, probably an unusual scripture because we're going to talk about the gospel. And the scripture we're going to have is Colossians 3:17. Todo lo que hagan en palabra o obra, háganlo en el nombre de Jesús dando gracias al Padre por medio de él. So whatever you do in word or deed, do it all in the name of Jesus or in, in the name of the Lord Jesus giving thanks to God the Father through him. Now you all know what the gospel is, right? Y'all know what the gospel is? That's not a rhetorical question. I want you to put your hand up that you know. Okay, good. We're in the right place. Um, so the gospel is that, that Jesus came. The gospel is not a thing. The gospel is a person. That Jesus came while we were yet sinners. We know that from Romans. That we were yet sinners. He came and he died for us. And he rescued us. We were, um, it had nothing to do with us. It had everything to do with Jesus. It had everything to do with the, the Father's heart. He loved us. He didn't want to be separated for us, from us. And that's what would have happened without Jesus, without the gospel. We would have been separated forever from God. And so, um, the gospel is that He rescues us and He raises us up the same way He raised Christ Jesus up and so we are free and that was what our message was this morning all through worship is that we are free in jesus he has done everything he has paid the cost for us we know that that because of the gospel we have many things and and what we have we're going to we're going to talk about today so that you will see when when uh, in in uh, Colossians 3:17 is about the character of the new man. Before he says, "Whatever you do in word or deed," he talks about taking off the old man. You know, just like you take off your day clothes to get into your jammies, right? You, you take off. Those things that have collected dirt and dust and grime and shame and all that stuff. You take them off. You take off lying and blasphemy and envy and jealousy and filthy talk and language and, and blast, everything like that. You take it off. But then you put on. You don't just take off. You know, the world sees the church often as things that we don't do. We want to change that. To things that we do do. Because the gospel says to us, put on the new man. Put on the new things. Put on love. Put on hope. Put on joy. Put on all of the things. Put on meekness and patience and kindness. And this morning, um, I, I had a word with Susan. But this morning I felt like God was saying to Calvary, How is your patience and your faith increased in the waiting? Because waiting is about your response. Waiting is about your growth. Waiting for whatever it is you're waiting for is the thing that God is working in the heart of the church now. To wait patiently and to grow in character. To grow in that new man. And God is looking for a, a, a bride that's willing to grow in the new man, that's willing we, to take off every.
0: every we day. had no idea what's going on with counsel and all that kind of stuff. When, and Jen had this early this morning, which, once again, just confirms to me how God works in and through these kinds of situations. When I look at the worship this morning the selections our message you know things like that it's just this is god being involved right this isn't something that we put together or uh, rob put together or lisa put together this is god working together so let's pray god would you open our eyes today to see the things that you want us to see would you open our ears to hear what you want us to hear and Lord, would we walk in your purposes, as you've called us to do. Yeah. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 So we want to look at the gospel in a little different light. It's not that we're minimizing what Janice has said the gospel is, because we really, truly believe that. But we want to look at it in a little deeper view. What does it actually mean to us? And so we're going to use an acrostic for you English teachers. Tony, where'd you go? Um, an acrostic is a, taking the first letters of a word and developing those into something. So we're going to talk about the gospel, the G-O-S-P-E-L. So the first is the G in gospel. This is God's gift of grace. Let's say that together. The gospel is
1: God's gift of grace.
0: Didn't quite get the together part of that, did I? The
1: gospel gospel is
0: God's God's gift gift of of grace.
1: Grace. You know, God has been gracious to us. And to be more specific, God has been gracious to me. He really has. Um, You know, you hear all all the time now, you hear, uh, life isn't fair. The world isn't fair, that is not fair, this is not fair. And I am so glad that God is not fair with me because you know what I deserve? Right. I deserve hell. I don't deserve any good thing because my sin means that I deserve hell. But God took that. That's his His gracious, generous gift to me is the G the gospel is that to me. And you know, even as a young child. Like, I don't come from a family that knows God. And those of you who come from those kind of families, you can relate to that. I don't come from a family who knows God. But as a little girl, like, I mean, I remember as a young child that I, I knew I was a sinner. I mean, I just knew it. Nobody had to point it out to me. I just knew I was a sinner. And I knew that i the only way I was going to get right was to get to God. Somehow or other to get to God. And so, you know, I, even as a little girl, I mean, my family thought I was wacko. I think they still think that. But, I mean, I would, I would kneel and pray. I mean, it was very religious and it was very repetitive and very kind of, uh, you know, just... It wasn't, it wasn't in faith, but, it, but I just knew. And, you know, I, I felt like Paul as a teenager. I felt like Paul who said, um, you know, that which I want to do, I can't do. Mm. And that which I don't want to do, I do. And wretched man that I am, who can rescue me? And that's the way I was all through my teen years. Wretched girl, wretched woman that I am, who can rescue me? But God brought his generous gift of grace to me and i am so grateful that god does not work on fairness that god works on righteous his righteous kingdom
0: says so missionaries we talk to a lot of people in different countries and different backgrounds and one, one of the amazing things we find is that we don't have to tell people they're sinners they know that they feel that and so it's not a big surprise to them when we start talking about sin in their lives and and how God views that and how they can be free from that. See, even when Jesus isn't their Lord and Savior, they, there's something in them that says there's something wrong here. doesn't feel good or I just feel uncomfortable with something. And yet God, in His grace rescues us from that. That's the great God. See, that's the gospel. In fact, in Ephesians 2, I think it is, 8 and 9. Do I have that on there? No, I guess I don't. Yeah, you do. I do. The next slide on then.
1: Ephesians. Can we have the next slide?
0: There it is. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. For by grace... You have, been given, uh, you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. Not a result of work so that no one may boast. The gift of God. Gospel is that gracious gift of God.
1: The gospel also gives us the opportunity to obey. That's the oath. So can we say that together? The gospel gives us the opportunity, the opportunity to, to obey. obey. What an amazing thing Jesus said in matthew twenty eight you all probably know this scripture you know this scripture if you've ever gone on a mission trip and if you've ever really listened to the Word of God on a Sunday and Jesus said came to them and said to them, All authority is on, in heaven and on earth has been given to me therefore what go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you and surely I am with you always to the end of the age and that famous passage is called the Great Commission go make disciples baptizing and teaching them to obey so what are we supposed to be obeying
0: all that Jesus has taught us right All that he has taught us. Whatever you do in deed or word, word or deed, do all in the name, right? Back to Colossians 3.17. See, the gospel presents us with opportunities. Opportunities to obey. Opportunities to obey what Jesus has taught us. That's what we all have, is that opportunity. See, it's not just Jan and I, the missionaries. It's not just Rob. It's not just the pastors. It's not just the Sunday school teachers. It's all of us have that opportunity to obey, to tell people what, what Jesus has taught us, to teach them that this is what we're to be obeying, See, right now we see a lot of situations, we, we, we do parenting courses and whatnot, and so often we get people saying, how do I get my children to obey? You say, well, if you get a big enough stick, they'll, no. You have to teach them to obey. How do they learn to obey? Well, most of what they learn to is what they see, what they see in the parents, and oh, Parents hate that when we say, see, the problem with your children is you. (laughs) They go, no, no, will you fix the kids? Okay, yeah, but we need to fix you first, right?
1: So most of us have been raised in Greek thinking. And you know, I think we've spoken about that before here. Greek thinking separates the soul from the spirit from the physical. That's Greek thinking. And most of us, in our education, unless we're in a spirit-filled school, have been raised in Greek thinking. We don't think like Hebrews. We separate things. That's why we can see young people, in particular, who come to church on a Sunday, maybe with their parents, who maybe come to youth, and then on a Saturday night with their girlfriend or their boyfriend, they are behaving in a compromising way. They're not. They're Greek thinking. They're separating that part of their life from other parts of their life. And we see the same thing in adults. We see those who come to come to the meeting on Sunday, maybe even do devotions, and then they go back into their work situation and they act and sound like an unbeliever.:
0: See, we, we've become compartmentalized. We have this our life is our here we are, uh, Calvary, Sunday morning, if, gathering for worship, that's right here then tomorrow morning is our work part. We kind of walk out of this compartment into this one. Now it's our work compartment. And at the end of that day, we leave our work and we walk into our recreation compartment. has nothing to do with work. has nothing to do with church stuff, right? And we go and we do our little, whatever it is we do recreationally. And then we leave that and we go home. And we walk into our family compartment. And sometimes some of this flows into that, but it's still compartmentalized in our minds. The Hebrew thinker thinks it's all one. There's no separation. What I do over here affects what happens here. How I think here is affected by what's done here and will affect how I am there. See, we're called as Christians who believe the gospel To take what we have learned from Jesus and to obey it in every part of our life. Not just Sunday morning here, Wednesday midweek service, Friday night youth, but every day, every part of it. Remember, Colossians 3.17, right?
1: So we have to be willing to be the hands and the feet of Jesus wherever... And, where, and whenever, he gives us the opportunity to connect other people to the gospel. So um, we, we first went to Mexico, and we were in a little village. And Marianne and Jack have been there a lot of winters and worked hard, too. Um, and, you know, uh, people in the village in the beginning, this is like 18 years ago, they're a little bit suspicious of teams that come in and then leave, you know? Like... I I often say, even where we take people to the colonias now, like, don't stand and take pictures of people's homes. Like, because how would you feel if a bunch of people came and stood in front of your house and took pictures of your kids and took pictures of your home? You know, it's, it's it's not a safe feeling for them. And so... We, we didn't speak Spanish very well. Um, Jack and Marianne's son was the leader there, and then he spoke Spanish well. And we did not speak Spanish well in the beginning, and so we prayed and we said, God, how are we going to get past the gates that people have? And really.
0: You had to get past the gate because often they don't have a door. So the, the, the cultural thing to do when you come to a, a dwelling is stand on the street. They might not have a gate either. There might be gate posts or something or a barbed wire fence. But you stand on the street and you call in and you get invited in. You get permission to come in. So so that was our our dilemma. How do we get invited in? So
1: I bake. I'm a muffin maker.
0: Can we have there's the slide.
1: Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. I'm a muffin maker. So this is just one one batch. I make like many many batches all through the week and uh and I I take them and, and people there don't have stoves. Most of the people don't have stoves. And if they do have a stove, they don't have an oven. They use the inside to store their pots. They don't have an oven. So they cook over wood and over an open fire. And so they love things like muffins, like homemade muffins. Like nothing they bake can ever compare with that. So I make these muffins and they go, and, and, and they're, and you know what? They would invite us in. They would invite me in. And in my limited Spanish and my Spanish Bible, I would share the gospel with them. And I cannot tell you how many people actually accepted Christ. There was rarely a time that I went to visit somebody that they didn't accept Christ. So the muffins were my opportunity to obey and to teach what Jesus has been teaching me. And they would, um, in the first year, I would walk down the street. And I'd have to, after a while, I had to put the muffins in a bag. Because they would know I was going someplace with these muffins. And they would say, they called us, in the first years, they called us Jan-E-Doug. So they thought that was one name. So when I was alone, I was called jan e and when Doug was alone he was called Jenny Doog so so I would be I'd be down the street and like in, um, you know in a really kind of rural very rural setting I'd be walking down the street and and people would yell this out to me Jenny Doog me gusta muffins mucho so I like muffins a lot <laughs> and and so word kind of spread about these muffins and thought, wow What an opportunity to obey, to be intentional, the opportunity to obey. So the gospel not only gives us God's gracious gift, his gift of grace, but he gives us the opportunity to obey. Every one of you sitting here has the opportunity to obey God.
0: Gospel, G-O-S, right? S is security and satisfaction. Can we say that one?
1: The gospel, gospel is, is security,
0: security and, and satisfaction. satisfaction. See, I, I don't know whether you've noticed this. We notice it a lot in today's world, especially when we come back to Canada, that um, there's a lot of discontent when people start talking. They... they they seem to be it just seems to be growing people are always wanting more looking for more and 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 we see that growing more in Mexico uh... we don't live in that little village any longer we live in Mazatlan which is a tourist driven city and so there's a great influence on the Mexican culture um, by the Canadians Americans who come there and we see a lot more of that happening there now than we did originally. Uh, One of the things that we were always impressed with in in the rural setting was people were content with what they had and sometimes they had next to nothing. They would be willing to share whatever they had and so you knew if they invited you for a meal that probably what they were feeding us was what would have fed their family for maybe a whole week but they just they were content to have what they had and trust God for the next thing they needed. Philippians 4:11 and 13 says not that I am speaking of being in need for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. And then 13 I can do all things through him who strengthens me. See, we want to grow in godliness, yes? And we want to know Jesus more, but our thinking is often more about stuff. Am I off base here? Like, we find this in Mexico. We're quite content. We we have a, a rented house that's old. Um, it's had a really nice paint job, thanks to Jack and Marianne. Um The electrical is all fixed. Thank you, Jack. And we have it decorated with uh, dollar store pictures and little things like, and we're content. We never think when we're there that we need something more. We come back We have a dining
1: here. room table with two wooden chairs and four plastic lawn chairs. And it's okay. Like, I, I don't, it doesn't even bother me. It would really bother me here. I'm just saying.
0: Well, now we have a nice wood table, but we would like a bigger one. <laughs> because once a year, we have more people coming than we can sit around that little one. So let's get a bigger table so once a year we can sit all sit around the table and we don't have to drag in these planks from out in the shed and try to build a place for them to sit. Like, what we're finding is that we're getting so absorbed in, in the stuff that we're not satisfied with what we have. And what do we have? We have the greatest treasure on earth, don't we? And when we are satisfied with that treasure, when we're content with that, we have security. What is the security we have? Life eternal, right? And when we have that security and we know that security, we are satisfied. So one goes along with the other. Do you ever talk to people who have just gone through a family kind of tragedy? Tragedy? And, uh, or a death in the family, and they don't know Jesus. And you say, how can people ever deal with that situation without Jesus?
1: See, because Jesus isn't their satisfaction. But he is ours, isn't he? He's our satisfaction, and therefore we're secure. Um, I remember um, Doug had very serious surgery in Guadalajara in 2006. And he had more than a third of his large intestine removed. It was really critical. I mean, he he could have and should have died, I believe, if it hadn't been. Well, it wasn't God's will. But uh, he had a doctor who was amazing. We have this doctor there. And they said to us... Well, the surgery will be about four and a half, maybe five hours. And um, we we had a room there. If, if you know anybody in Latin America, you don't ever leave your family in the hospital alone, especially at night. So there's always a bed provided for you. It's a hard little concrete thing with a little mattress about that thick, but there's a bed provided for you. And so um, the, uh, our doctor said to us, you know, I will get the nurse to call you during that... Four and a half or five hours in that room We had a telephone in the room And he will call you and let you know how we're doing And how we're finishing up And how the bowel is looking, etc, etc He had great hopes for for this That it would be five hours Well, four hours came Five hours came, six hours came And, And what I had done Was I had opened My Spanish Bible on the bed That was Doug's And I had opened my English Bible on the bed that was mine because I was staying there. I stayed there for a whole month because he was there for a whole month. And so I, you know, the, the four and a half hours went, they didn't call me. Five hours went, they didn't call me. I, the anxiety would build up in me like you wouldn't believe. It, it almost felt like I was having a heart attack, like that the pain of the anxiety. And so I would go. And I would throw myself on the word. I know this sounds weird. I would throw myself on the word. I'd open the Bible at certain promises. Throw myself on the word uh, in, in English. Then I'd get out and there was a rotunda in this hospital. We were on the second floor. And I would walk around and I would pray. And, and you know what? I didn't care who saw me. Because this was life and death for my husband. And so I didn't care. I walked around praying in tongues, praying out loud, praying the Psalms. I'd go and I'd grab, I had a little other Bible, and I would open it up and I would shout it out loud. I didn't really care. And and uh, then six hours went by and seven hours went by and eight hours went by. Twelve and a half hours. And... When he when they brought I, him, I
0: was sleeping. This <laughs> when time. they brought
1: him up, not a care in the world. I I said to him when they brought him up, that was the longest twelve and a half hours in my life. And he went twelve and a half hours? What are you talking about? <laughs> he said, I feel good. I'm fine. And and the thing was afterwards, see this is this is what the word and the holy spirit does. If your satisfaction is in Jesus, you will be secure. No matter what the circumstance. Because that was a hard circumstance. And afterwards nurses came to me. And several of them came in a group. Because the shifts had changed. So there was a lot of different nurses. And they said like what was that all about? We saw you walking around. And you had your hand raised. And you were talking out loud. Like who were you talking to? I, I was talking to God. I was talking to Jesus. I was talking to the Holy Spirit. So God gave me that peace in the middle of that storm, but only because my satisfaction is not found in things. My satisfaction is not found in circumstances. In fact, my satisfaction is not found in Doug.
0: Oh, come on.
1: Maybe a little bit, right? Well, a little bit, yeah, a little bit, yeah. But, but that's the truth. You know, if something happens to Doug, which I don't I mean, God has every one of his days written down.
0: Yeah, it's the number of hair on my head. <laughs> <laughs> and that's going down.
1: <laughs> but you know what? I will be secure because my hope mm-hmm. is built on solid ground. Yeah. I will trust. Just like that song says. Because I am satisfied in who Jesus is and who he says I am. And I belong to Jesus. Mm -hmm.
0: The gospel brings us the power of God's presence. The P is the power of God's presence. So So the gospel
1: is Is the the power power of of God's God's presence.
0: presence. See people, it's not really about us. Lisa, worship team, that was wonderful. But you know what made it wonderful? The presence of God and the power of God using people, instruments, right? Do you not feel the presence of God when you come into a place like that? We came in early and they were practicing. It was practicing. But we walked in, and you could sense the presence of God right here. I ended up in the back, pacing back and forth, worshiping. Jen stood right up here front, worshiping. And they were practicing. Right? But the presence of God is real, and with that presence comes the power of God.
1: See, See most of us want the power of God, right? Yeah.
0: See, but we need Holy... to be
1: seeking the presence of God. And then the power of God comes. See, without
0: the the Holy Spirit, the words we're speaking are just words. They go out there and they bounce around and maybe they land somewhere, maybe you remember some, maybe you don't. But when the Holy Spirit is here, when the power of God is in the words that he's given us and we're using in obedience to him there's power there's power in that this is the one thing that can change lives permanently is the presence of god and the holy spirit i i love to hear people say that was a great message boy did you do a good job but what i really love to hear is you know what God touched me and changed my life. I'm not the same as I was before. Yeah. That's what I want. And that's only through the power of the Spirit, the power of God, and the presence of God. Acts 1 8 says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria. To the ends of the earth, God is with us. Just before we left Mexico last spring, um, Jan was asked to do a, a ladies' meeting in our local church, Amori Libertad, and um, so that was advertised to the women. And uh, they they usually have quite a group of women, but they had said to the women, "Would you invite your neighbors to come?" Jan speaking, and and so this was on a Saturday morning, and they had what 140, 140 women, something like that, and and just the week before, somebody, probably the men's ministry leader, said, "Hey, why don't we have a men's meeting? I mean, the women are having meetings, so let's have a men's meeting." So they said, hey, "We're going to have a men's meeting on Friday night. We'll ask Doug to speak, and." So they said, would you speak at the men's meeting Friday night? I was like, yeah, I guess so. Um, like, where's it going to be? And so, and they said, well, we, we won't do it in the church because we'll be set, the ladies will be setting up for the morning. And they said, we, we usually get maybe eight, ten men at all. So we're going to move down the street to a little classroom that one of the men uh, who teaches um, music uses for his classroom. We're going to use that. I said, okay, that's fine. Um, word got around that the men's meeting was happening and that I was speaking and got around to a number of other guys that I mentor. And so we, we got there on Friday night and uh, walked into this little tiny room uh, that was actually a sewing class. And I walked in, they had all these tables set up, they had taken the sewing machines off, but right behind me was a wall that was painted with murals of young women because this was a fashion thing. They they were sewing and I went you know what I'm gonna stand here and <laughs> preach what? And all these guys are gonna be standing and looking at these life size paintings of young girls.
1: Clad in certain kinds of fashions. Yeah.
0: Very fashionable, but yeah. <laughs> So, uh, well, I'm here and I have this message, you know, I I guess I'll just do it. So we started, like most things, with uh, a little bit of worship. Um, There were over 40 men showed up at this thing. And if any of you were here when we showed our presentation, whenever that was in summer, uh, we ended with a clip of these 40 men worshiping. It, uh, some of you will remember that. It, was, it, it just kind of blew me away because I'm standing there in front of this wall with all these pictures and these guys are just worshipping. And once again, you knew the presence of God in that situation, not the sanctuary of the church. I started to preach my message. I literally don't remember going through any of the notes I had. It was like one of those things where it's almost like an out-of-body experience where you, you're kind of hearing yourself talk, but you don't know that. Like, why did I say that? I didn't, I didn't plan that. I didn't have it prepared. The power of God was so strong in there. I, I've never experienced it more than a couple of times in my life like that. The interesting thing was some of the guys that came because I mentored them brought some of their, their neighbors. And so there was only one guy that responded to the altar call that I gave and gave his life to the Lord. The interesting thing we found out later was the Saturday morning, his wife responded to the altar call and gave her life to Jesus. And then we found out that this couple who lived right next door to a couple that we mentored um, discovered that she had cancer. And so now they were knit into a body of people that prayed and cared. We don't know what's happened because we left right after that and we haven't had much communication with it. But see, there's the power in the presence of God. In daily kind of life. Amazing.
1: And the gospel is for everyone to encounter Jesus. You want to say that? The gospel is is for everyone everyone to encounter encounter Jesus. Jesus. See, this is what we're told in Matthew 28 to go into all of the world. That's every tongue, every tribe, every culture, every status, everyone. And this includes the neighbor that you might not even like. I don't know if we've told you this before. We have, we live amongst Mexican people. We don't live in the golden zone with, with tourists, like with America. We live right with Mexicans. Marianne and Jack have been with us. They know that. We have a lady across the street from us. And her name is Ramona and she's easy to love. She's generous, she's kind, she's smiling, she accepted Christ, she comes when we speak, she comes to things, she comes to ladies things with me, she's accepted Christ, she's now married a Canadian, and lives in Kamloops for six months of the year, and and now we're really connected because he doesn't speak Spanish, and she doesn't speak English, so he comes and talks to Doug, and I and we speak to her in Spanish, so we're a good connection for them. But anyways, uh, she's easy to love. She's easy to take the gospel to. She's easy. And then we have a gentleman who lives on the other side of us. He's not easy to love. He's one of those people who uh, has a very loud voice. Who tends to yell at his family. There's lots of fighting that goes on. They have dogs. The dogs bark. Even if a feather goes up the street, the dogs bark. And and they dark. They bark morning, noon, and night. And, and he has big trucks and big wheeled things, you know, that make lot. And he loves to gun the motor and sit outside his house early in the morning. And then when he drives down the street, the alarms go off in some people's cars. I don't know. It's just so loud. But he's not as easy to love. But God does, says to us, you don't just go to the easy ones. How many of you have somebody that might be a little bit difficult in your family or in your neighborhood? I'm asking you to put up your hand, okay. See? But, I mean, that person might even be sitting right next to you. I don't know. <laughs> you might be married to that person. I don't know. They might be your sister or brother. But God has said, everyone, go to everyone. And we're to go to everyone. Oh,
0: See, sometimes we become soil inspectors and we're called to be seed sowers you know the parable of the seed sower right Uh uh-huh yeah somebody knows it Yeah. yeah and it's a story that jesus is telling as he does in parables and he says a man goes out to sow seed and he sows seed and some of it falls on the pathway, some of it falls in rocky ground, some of it falls where the weeds are, some of it falls in good soil. And then he goes on to say what happens in those. And it's one of the few, if not the only, correct me if I'm wrong, parable where the, it actually explains what that means. See, and I think because, and here in Steinbach, right, farming community, I think that we think of seed sowing the way farmers sow their seed today. Right? you ever notice that? Farmers, they, they get up and, and they, they prepare the land. They, they drag any soil that's drifted into the ditch back on. And they put their seed sower on. And they go down the thing. And if there's a hydro pole, they just go around the pole. So they get a nice straight line of growing around the pole. And then they come. I was always amazed that after you watch, see the seed start to come up look this way, straight rows here, straight rows here, right? It's all deliberately planted like that. That's not the way it was in the time of Jesus. See, that's like today. I become a soil inspector, not a seed sower. So I got my bag of seed, and I bring out a bag and I go, well, I can give a seed to Greg because he's a pastor at the church, so he must be okay. Okay. Right. and where else does anybody, anybody else have I know Jack <laughs> I'll give Jack a seed see that's, that's kind of the way we sow our seed nowadays in Jesus time the guy had a bag and he had it full of seed and he just reached in his bag and he walked along and he threw his seed he said I don't care where it lands I'm just getting rid of it I'm sowing my seed. Right? It just scattered it. And it somewhere lands. And it's not my job as the seed sower to worry about where it lands. Say, oh, better get that one back. See, that's the way we need to see our job of sowing the seed of the gospel is to say I'm just going to sow it and we'll let God worry about where it lands some of it's going to land in a good place, some of it's going to land in a bad place, some of it's going to land in a place where it'll start to grow but it won't get root and it'll fall that's not my responsibility that's not my job my job is to sow seed
1: to sow it abundantly We have to start seeing the people that God brings into our lives as people that he wants to reach with the gospel. And so to do that, we have to sow everywhere. We have no guarantees about where that's going to land. But we have to stop making judgments about where we should sow. We need to sow in our neighborhood. We need to sow in our, our families. We need to sow in on the streets, we need to sow when we're at McDonald's. We need to sow when we're at work, when we're at school. The thing is, we need to sow, and if we are satisfied and secure in Jesus, we can do that. We have to stop worrying about what people think. I mean, we're not to be obnoxious. We're to be loving and kind and have the fragrance of Jesus Christ. But we are to sow, and we're to sow abundantly, and and so. We want to remember that every person that God brings into our life. He wants to share his gracious gift with. He wants to give us the opportunity to obey. He wants to give us the the security and the satisfaction. He wants to give us the power of the Holy Spirit. And he wants to show us that the gospel is for everyone. And it comes out of the love of God. It all comes out of the love of God. If we could have the L put up there, we could all say the gospel is the love of God. The gospel is the love of God. There It's the love of God. Okay, do you want to say that? The gospel is, is the, the love, love of God. God. So the gospel is God's gift of grace. The gospel is the opportunity to obey. The gospel is our security and satisfaction. The gospel is the power of God's presence. And the gospel is for everyone to encounter Jesus. And the gospel comes out of the love of God. And it's the love of God that overflows in our hearts to want to bring that gift of grace to others. It's the love of God that spurs us on to see opportunities. You know, ask God, where are the opportunities to obey you and to teach others to obey you? And it's the love of God that leads us to be secure and satisfied. You know, John Piper always says, The the um, oh, now I've lost it. God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. And it's the love of God that gives us the presence of the Holy Spirit Mm -hmm. that empowers us and brings us his peace. And it's the love of God that directs where we sow, you know, for all to encounter him. Everywhere, no matter where you are. And it's the love of God that fills our hearts to love others. And it's the love of God that brings the gospel into our daily lives. People might never see you in this setting. But they see you when you're at McDonald's. They see you when you're with your kids. They see how you treat your wife or your husband. People will see things. I remember once Doug and I were having a loud discussion (laughs) when we lived in the village. (laughs) And um, one of our Mexican friends came to the door, and she was a good friend, so she didn't wait at the gate. She just came right to the door. And, uh, And Doug had, I said to him, your voice is too loud. And he said, no, nobody can hear me. And then I met this lady the next day, and she said, Oh, I came to your house yesterday, but I heard the loud discussion, <laughs> and I got afraid. And so I left. I didn't want to come, come in the house. I went, see, Doug, your voice is loud.
0: <laughs> but there were two voices she heard.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and you know, so Colossians 3.17, whatever you do, in word, in word, or deed,
0: Loud it, words or lo- soft
1: words <laughs> do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ giving thanks to God through him and so church we have a wonderful opportunity you know first john 4:19 says we love why because he first loved us mm-hmm. that's the reason we love so the gospel brings all of these things into us and we're just going to ask you to close your eyes right now
0: please could you just get the worship team up right?
1: Yeah, just maybe just softly we're going to ask you to close your eyes right now and we're going to ask for the Lord to speak to all of us yeah. for the Lord to, to, to reinforce in our hearts mm. or to open our hearts to a new revelation that, that the gospel is God's good and gracious and generous gift of grace to us That the gospel gives us that opportunity to obey. So where have you not really taken the gospel as a good gift of grace? Where are you still in your thinking that it's something that you have to do? Instead of that it's a gift. That all you have to do is receive it. It's a gift. Where are there areas in your life where God is giving you opportunities to obey? And are you looking for those opportunities Are you seeing them as opportunities to obey and to tell people what Jesus is teaching you, to tell people about his promises?
0: Are you satisfied in Jesus? Is he your security?
1: Are you satisfied in Jesus? Or are you looking to something else to be your satisfaction? Are you daily asking God for the presence of the Holy Spirit? He's so willing to fill us. But we have to be willing to ask and to be open to the presence of the Holy Spirit. We so often want the peace. We want the breakthrough. But really, we need to really be intentional and say, God, we need your presence. It's only your presence it's only your presence Mm. do you want everyone to encounter Jesus is that your heart do you want everyone to encounter Jesus or are you selective about where you sow your seed have you become a soil inspector instead of a seed sower do you understand the love of God? Do you understand why Jesus rescues us? And do you want others to know this great love? So, whatever God has been saying to you, if God has been speaking to you about this new way of looking at the gospel, if he's been saying something to you, we ask you just to stand. Not under compulsion, not because... You're being manipulated, but because God is speaking to you about something.
0: Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. And I don't know, there, there may be somebody here this morning that doesn't understand what we're talking about because they don't know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. If you're here this morning and you've never met the Lord Jesus in a personal way and you would like to do that, would you just come up once we start praying and we'd be happy to talk to you about that. Anyone else? Thank you, Jesus. Well, Father, you know our hearts. Yeah. Yeah. You know who is standing, who should be standing. And we leave that up to you, God. We thank you that you do speak to us and you do direct us. You are interested in our daily life, the little things that go on and that you call us with the gospel to go And whatever we do, in word or deed, do all in the name of Jesus. And be thankful. So, Father, we pray that for each one of these people that are standing right now. Yes, Jesus. God, that you would just meet them where they're at. Lord, as you've spoken to them this morning, Lord, your promises are that you will never leave us nor forsake us, that you will go with them Mm -hmm. into those areas that you've been speaking to them about, Lord, and you will walk with them. Thank you, Jesus. You will empower them, Lord. You will provide them whatever they need. If they're saying, I don't have the words, God, you will give them the words they need. Lord, would you increase their faith in you to trust you, for the things that you've you've been talking to them about. Lord, I want to pray especially, especially that you would demonstrate your unconditional love by just reaching out and giving them one of your hugs, God. Not the physical hug that we all need, but that spiritual hug to say, I am with you. I am with you Thank always you, to the end of the age. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank
1: you Lord. Thank, Thank you, you, Jesus. You, Jesus.